Welcome to the CJB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are focusing entirely on football. Derek Taylor stops by to chat bombers and really all things football heading into week one. And then we'll talk to Mark Steven, voice of the Stampeders. They're hosting Montreal Thursday in the season opener. We'll get a preview with him on the podcast. Derek Taylor, who in 49 hours will be getting ready for kickoff in the Winnipeg Blue Bomber home opener against the Ottawa Red Blacks. A little bit later than usual, Derek, just because the they got to unveil something, uh, I guess, kind of important. A, a Grey Cup banner seems like a big deal, right? Yeah, you might as well, right? You win two of them. You know, it's it's never maybe the same as your first, but you might as well celebrate it. Well, I mean, come on. I think I think we're all going to freak out a little bit when that banner does get unfurled, right? We're just watching it, just celebrating what was an incredible 2021 team. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the question is, can they replicate it this year, Derek? What have you been hearing around the league so far about expectations for this Winnipeg Blue Bombers squad for 2022? I think for the most part, uh, people expect that Winnipeg's, as currently constituted, the best team going into this season. There's people who believe, well, Hamilton is really good too. Look out for Calgary because Bo Levi Mitchell is healthy and, uh, you know, you can't turn down the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who have been to the two West Finals in a row. Uh, to me, though, uh, and I'd say this wherever I was doing radio, Winnipeg is the best team in the league. It should, by, should be, by a good margin, the favorite to win the Grey Cup. Now, as every other team has seen, injuries get in the way of your shot, your shot to win the Grey Cup, or sometimes your roster is so terrible that you never had a chance in the first place. <laughs> Ottawa Red Blacks last couple of years. But Winnipeg at this moment should be considered the substantial favorite to win the Grey Cup. Teams can get in the way of that, like, say, Calgary, if Bo Levi-Mitchell can throw for 4,500 yards and be healthy for a season. Uh, I kind of don't see Saskatchewan. Uh, BC could be if if somehow Nathan Rourke is – if Nathan Rourke was a top-five quarterback, look out for the BC Lions. Uh, the other side, Ottawa, I think, is going to be really good. Hamilton, if they can hold on, and Dane Evans can prove some stuff. But though there are contenders, I, I think it, the stage is set for, for Winnipeg to run into a third Grey Cup title. Do you feel like there's more ifs than usual this year around the league? Oh, around the league, absolutely. Uh, because Hamilton, right, back-to-back uh, Grey Cup competitors – they now don't have the same depth of quality at quarterback, right? With Vasoli faltered, they knew they had Dane Evans and they knew what Dane Evans was. And, oh, by the way, look at this depth at receiver. And, oh, by the way, look at this depth on their defensive line. Well, a lot of that is now gone to other teams through free agency. Uh, Calgary, what is Bo Levi Mitchell? Uh, they have a roster that's primed to go with an elite quarterback, but do they have an elite quarterback? Uh, people say, hey, Bo was looked fantastic in training camp and his shoulder looks great. And I thought, well, you said the same thing last season. And in the first two games before he got hurt, he'd thrown five interceptions. So what, what am I really going to believe about Bo Levi Mitchell questions in Saskatchewan with talent leaving town in an inexperienced back six uh, Edmonton, who knows what's happening in Edmonton and BC with, with the, you know, first year quarterback, first year starting quarterback. I think you're right to say that, I kind of, apart from, I feel like I know what Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal are. But the other six teams, it wouldn't surprise me if they were up or if they were down. On the note of the BC Lions, uh, Dave Naylor tweeting out that 
He talked to Steve Daniel, the noted CFL stats guru, going back 71 years to find if the Lions dressing Nathan Rourke as the starting QB and Michael O'Connor as backup would be the first time a team has dressed a quarterback tandem that is both Canadian ever. First time ever. Wow. Dating back to 1958 when the CFL, as we know it, was formed. Canadian quarterbacks just haven't made it in the CFL, let alone having two Canadian quarterbacks as your starter and your backup. So the Lions are, are looking to try something that either by you know circumstance, coincidence, or by design is going to be their solution at quarterback this year. Yeah, and they're going to go for it or die trying, right? And Nathan, Rourke has, has a lot of, of what you would want, right? Several people have said it. If he was an American kid who came up here, we would just think he's a quarterback and we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily be talking too much about him. Rourke has that high floor thing where you can have a super high ceiling like Michael Riley. Well, Zach Caleros has a, has a super high ceiling in the plays he can make. Certain guys have higher floors and you're not going to be any worse than this level because you can run the football really well. If BC wants to, Nathan Rourke showed in college, he can run the football, design, run games, scramble, whatever you like. So they've always got that to work with. And people who have seen him and watch him, you know, from Vancouver swear to me that he's a good passer as well, which would take that floor. And now you're, now you're getting near your ceiling. Uh, Michael O'Connor is a guy with all the tools who's been, you know, kind of trying to get a chance in this league between what is it? Uh, Calgary and Toronto, I believe it is. Yeah. And, you know, people have been wanting to see some of him. I think that we haven't seen it may tell us something about him, but yeah. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. We we love running quarterbacks and we love Canadian quarterbacks in the CFL. So if you're looking for a second favorite team to be to uh, follow, why not the BC Lions? And how about the fact that they they're opening the upper bowl at BC right. Place as the lower bowl approaches the sellout? I'm going to test you right now. I looked it up. When was the last time the BC Lions had thirty thousand people at a football game? Thirty thousand people at a BC Lions. Um, I, when would they have been the 2016 playoffs? Is that a thing? The season finale of the 2014 season. They had wow. 33,752. The most they've had since then was a game against Saskatchewan in 2016, where they had about 26 and a half. So they're looking, it's, I mean, it's been a, a steady decline for Lions football since that 2014 season where every game had, had at least 24,000 people at it. But, uh, what do you New think ownership. this is about? Is it because the Canadian quarterbacks? Is it because there were COVID restrictions last year? Is it because there's a new regime behind the team? What do you think it is? Yeah, I, I would tend to point to new ownership and Amar Doman and just the, the heat that comes with that. We've been bombarded this offseason with the Edmonton Elks and their new their new CEO running things, and we're gonna we're gonna really make a splash. BC's been been trying much the same stuff under Amar Doman. Hey, let's go behind the scenes. Let's Let's get our guys out in front of the media. I, I honestly, that would be my guess. That and they built a pretty nice roster. You harness the Canadian quarterback as well. If he performs, if Nathan Rourke performs well in the first couple of games, oh, people are going to want to watch the BC Lions go. So yeah, I there's a real combination. But to me, it's probably David Braley for all the great things he did for the CFL may not have been the most 2022 owner for a Canadian football league team. So I think maybe Amar Doman's pushing that forward. And they're going to start against the Elks on Saturday. So maybe the, the ideal opponent for a guy starting in his big quarterback role. Let's talk about the, the matter at hand Friday night and the Bombers against the Red Blacks, who we haven't seen for a long time in <laughs> yeah. Winnipeg. 
they did not play last year, and so it's been three years. Paul Apley's been waiting for the return to Winnipeg. We get it on Friday. We get them back-to-back with the home-and-home. I know you're a little bit high on the Red Blacks as a dark horse this year. Yeah. Is it principally because of Jeremiah Mazzoli, or is it beyond just the quarterback position? Oh, I think they did a tremendous job in free agency. Like When you go through their roster, well, they added Jeremiah Mazzoli. They entirely redid the offensive line. Uh, They started 13 different combinations of players on the offensive line last season. And it's the absolute inverse of of the Bombers, right? The Bombers, hey, we know what five guys are going out there, and we know they're going to kill everybody in their path. The the Red Blacks have been, okay, which five of you are under fire today? So they, they, in my mind, they really had some nice bodies there to fix that. They had Jalen Acklin, the receiver from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, to a couple of strong receivers they have there. Uh, Money Hunter is a defensive back. He'll play the boundary side, so opposite Rasheed Bailey for much of the game. He's a guy who allowed a sub-50% completion percentage last season. He was tremendous uh, for the Montreal Alouettes, who then let him go. And then you start when you start to add these top-end pieces, including Masoli, who... Is he the third best quarterback, second best quarterback in the CFL right now? When you start adding pieces like this, everything around the rising tide floats all boats, right? Everybody comes up to meet it. So uh, I I really think that in in an East division where Toronto won a lot of one-score games last season and was outscored by its opponents on route to a winning record, Hamilton, a team that's lost, you know, talent in some significant spots, and Montreal, who I think just lost too much talent and has too much uncertainty at quarterback. I really think Ottawa is Ottawa's a Grey Cup contender, at least a Grey Cup representative contender out of the East, pretty handily in my mind. I, I think they're easily in the top two in that division. Well, looking at this week and, and, and next game as well, if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is this not the best time to face a Red Blacks team that has a lot of new personnel? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think you're, I think you've nailed that right on. Hey, they're still getting their stuff together, right? They've only had training camp. The the Red Blacks in week 16 could be, you know, dramatically improved over what they are in weeks one and two. They may, you know, a game like like Friday, they might ride on Jeremiah Masoli's improvisational skills in the backfield, right? Which he is tremendous at. So yeah, I think you nail it with yeah, get it, get it out of the way. Not that Winnipeg is afraid to play anybody or has any reason to be afraid to play anybody, but you know, this is the time to get a team like Ottawa or Edmonton, right? While while things are still being figured out, while we're still trying to find out who we are, uh, go knock their brains in. A lot Not of violent to... imagery for me today. My goodness. <laughs> You're ready to play, here. man. You're ready to suit up and go out right. there on Friday. Now, the NFL, and not to compare the NFL to the CFL, but the NFL every season starts with the Super Bowl champion uh, hosting a team on the Thursday night and unveiling their Super Bowl banner. Obviously, the CFL doesn't play games on Sunday. They kind of spread them out a lot more during the end of a week. But should the CFL have the Grey Cup champ opening the season instead of the Stamps tomorrow night against the Alouettes? Well, didn't we have that last year? Wasn't the Thursday night Winnipeg and Hamilton? And yeah. I think for, just from the folks I've talked to, Thursday night games are not real popular. Just for, from a fan's perspective, right? Oh, I got to go there. I'm going to work the next morning uh, or the kids have something the next day. I, I've never I've never thought Thursday game. I thought always thought Thursday games having to host them were a little bit of a burden on fans and on teams. So 
I honestly don't mind that it's it's got to be. Is it the first game on Friday or is it the second game on Friday? I believe it's the first game on Friday's schedule. Um, I don't mind the thought of it, but I, I think overall I'd rather play the the, uh, the early game on a Friday night just because it's Friday night football, right? That theme song that's been smashed into our heads by the TVs over the decades. So for, for me, that's the one. Yeah, there's a Thursday, a Friday, and two Saturdays this week in the opening week of the CFL okay. season. So that's just the way it'll be, Derek. And I guess we got one more day, a walkthrough tomorrow before we uh, we get the season going on Friday. Yeah, and uh, Paul Lapolice, Darvin Adams and company will be in town. So the former Bombers who we never – well, Adams was still with the Bombers last season. We never got to see Lapolice last year, like you said, off the top. We'll get a chance to talk to him and – and hear what uh, what he's been up to in, in the time since and, and how much he misses uh, his time in Winnipeg. But uh, it, I think the team he leads is going to be pretty formidable and could be a great game for his return. Well, I look forward to being there on the sidelines. Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks, brother. For the first time in the 2022 and regular season CFL football action. The Montreal Alouettes and Calgary Stampeders kicking off tomorrow night just after 8 o'clock Central Time. And the man calling the game for the Calgary Stampeders on radio is Mark Steven, longtime play-by-play voice of the club. Mark, welcome to the show tonight. Yes, good evening. Uh, really looking forward to it. It's uh, great to get the new season underway. Earliest start ever for a CFL season, but who cares? Once we get rolling, we'll just uh, have all the fun that we always have at CFL season. Well, we started so late last year, right? So it makes up for it. I guess so, yeah. Well, there's a reason that I hope is never repeated for why it was started late mm-hmm. last year. So here you are. How many seasons is this for you now, Mark? Uh, 26. Pretty solid. Got a bit to go to catch Bob, though. <laughs> no, that, that will stay in the uh, in a top of the uh, mountain for a long time, as far as I'm concerned. So, as it should be. So, no, I, I don't think I'll ever be catching him. So, there you go. <laughs> no, it's a tough number to hit. No, hitting that number this year is pretty good accomplishment mark so you got the stamps and the alouettes tomorrow night let's talk about the stamps first what changes were made in the offseason as the team looks to get back to the top of the west division well probably the biggest one was acquiring a cam judge from toronto in exchange for Royce Mechie, these were two guys that were free agents that probably weren't going to sign with the teams they were with. So they just swapped them. And, uh, you know, it was a good Canadian safety for a good Canadian linebacker. And uh, I think it's going to work out well. Those would be the most visible changes uh, for the team. To be honest, they did a lot of their heavy lifting towards the end of last year when Reggie Bagleton returned, as did Trey Roberson. So they played a couple of games at the end of last year. Uh, as is regularly the case, they weren't very active in the free agent market. And they did a lot of uh, signing of their own people. But uh, Judge would probably be the most notable change. The rest of it is uh, pretty constant. They uh, had a pretty good uh, situation of keeping a lot of people in-house. I guess the big question is, and this is the case for almost any football team, it's always about the quarterback. And for Calgary, it's Bo Levi Mitchell. I guess the question mark is, how healthy is he going to be this year? From what I can see, uh, any issues he had in the past are gone. He looked very good in training camp, uh, worked out every day except for one when he sort of was, uh, you know, just not quite 100%, but that's pretty standard for somebody that's a 10-year veteran. Uh, any issues with him uh, not being able to move the ball or throw the ball or whatever, I don't think exists anymore. I think he was uh, really good, and I think he's ready to jump right back to the top of the league. Well, if he doesn't, I don't think Calgary has much of a chance this year. 
Well, no, he's, he's, the, he's the centerpiece, like uh, most are, but I wouldn't discount Jake Mayer for whatever reason. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell isn't able physically or uh, performance-wise to do the job because Mayer is very good as well, a guy that they uh, really have great hopes for as well, and uh, who knows what his future is. That's a, that's a conversation for December, but uh, no, I, I think they're pretty well set at quarterback with the two people that they have, but clearly it's Bo Levi Mitchell's team. Let's not get anyone. He's going to have to make it happen and uh, go as deep as he can, as far as he can with the team. So looking at where Calgary sits right now in the CFL landscape, at least in the West Division, where do you think they sit heading into the season? I think it's fair to say we all agree Winnipeg is number one. Would Calgary be two? Yep, that's where I put them until somebody can prove that uh, the Blue Bombers to be toppled from the mountain. Uh, you know, they have to be uh, put at number one. Uh, but I think the Stampeders are right there behind them. Uh, I just think the team, uh, you know, had a strong second half last year and, uh, you know, uh, obviously played quite well in the playoff game going to overtime. They lost on a field goal situation where Rennie Paredes wasn't at his best, but uh, they were peaking and uh, moving along very well as the season went on, except for the playoff game. But 6-1 and one in the second half, a lot of those guys are back with a couple of additions. I think they're in pretty good shape to uh, certainly, uh, you know, move to the number two spot. And if Winnipeg uh, stumbles and they do play three times this year who knows but uh, for now the blue bombers are the team to knock off how do you think they match up with the alouettes coming in tomorrow night well uh, i think this is going to be a very tough matchup uh, i think uh, montreal uh, they were seven and seven last year and i'll be blunt i think they underachieved i think they got more there than uh, a 500 team uh, certainly adams at quarterback I think he's ready to go, but uh, Trevor Harris will step right in if there's any issues. I think William Standback is the best back in the league, and uh, Kadeem Carrier, the Stampeders, is number two. Uh, the two receivers, uh, Lewis and also Jake Weinke, combined for 20 touchdown catches last year in a shortened season. And, you know, if it was a full season, both would have been over 1,000 yards receiving, uh, you know, had you projected it out. So I think they've got a lot of weapons. I, I think they're really good, and uh, I would say that, uh, you know, everybody's under pressure, but I I'd say probably Montreal's under a little more pressure to pick it up and play better than 500 football. Well, 2019, they go 10 and 8. It's a bit of a surprise, right, with Kahari Jones getting elevated kind of at the last moment. It was on the yeah. state three years ago, in fact, that Mike Sherman was just shown the door right before the season started. And it turned out after a slow start, they go 10 and 8 on the season. And then they lose in the playoffs to Edmonton. This year, coming off a team, a season last year, where I agree with you, they probably didn't do as well as we thought they were going to. They had to bring in Trevor Harris at the end of things to, to try and clean things up. Mm -hmm. And I guess yeah. that, that, that pressure as again, comes back to the quarterback position. A lot of it falls on Verdon Adams jr. Yeah. Yeah. He's injured and missed a little bit last year, but uh, I'm comfortable in saying he can, he can elevate his game and uh, really lead the Alouettes and, uh, you know, put some points and a uh, little drama on the uh, field. I, I think he's a good player. So uh, I think the Alouettes do have a lot of weapons. They added uh, Herji Mayala, a free agent who came over from the Stampeders, and uh, also Moore, a defensive lineman, came over from Edmonton. I think he's very good as well. So I do think there's a fair bit there for Montreal. They're just going to have to go out and prove it. You know, cut down the penalties. That was probably the biggest issue. They were uh, second most in terms of penalized. I think they were most penalized in terms of yards. So they got to play with more discipline. I think that killed them at times last year. And, uh, you know, if they uh, can eliminate that, I, I think they're going to be a good-looking football team. So the Stamps outscored the Lions and Elks 78-13 to in a pair of preseason wins. Does that mean anything, Mark? Well, I actually asked that question today, uh, you know, of uh, head coach Dave Dickinson. And 
I think not so much the point totals, and but I do understand what you're saying. But just the fact that they they finished drives and uh, you know did so in sort of a, a very uh, determined fashion, and uh, you know minimized their mistakes and turnovers and penalties. That's what he liked more than the actual scores. Uh, Edmonton was just way way off their game on Friday night. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but it looked like they uh, regressed badly from the win that they had against the Blue Bombers a, a week earlier. So I don't quite know what's going on there. As for BC, BC brought a team that was certainly, uh, I would say, the B or C team that came over. Or combination. Most of their starters were at home. So uh, how much do you put into it? Hard to say, but there were some things to take out. But it's uh, you know certainly not a guarantee of anything. But I guess it beats going on too, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. It, you'd rather not lose preseason games, but at the same yeah. time, wins and losses aren't the be-all, end-all when it comes to the, the preseason. Any surprise standouts from what we've seen so far in preseason and training camp from your perspective in Calgary? Well, uh, I guess from the, the Stampeders' viewpoint, uh, probably, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Brandon Dozier couldn't get on the field, so they're going to bring in another rookie, Titus Wall, to play that linebacker spot. It'll be interesting. Uh, a rookie that kind of stood out in camp, uh, he's a defensive back, Deontay Ruffin, a guy that will be playing his first CFL game tomorrow. He's a guy that uh, really stepped up. Uh, they've had a little issue at safety, so you're going to see Raheem Wilson play safety. Normally he's been a corner, but uh, Ile Buka, who came over from Saskatchewan, just hasn't been able to get on the field. He's had a bit of a hamstring issue, so those are some of the guys that uh, you know are going to have to fill in and certainly uh, put their performances on the field tomorrow night in maybe different or unusual or pressure-packed situations. I know the news is good in BC with opening up the upper bowl, a couple sections for tickets and higher demand that we've seen there for a long time. How are things in Calgary when it comes to attendance? Good, but could be better for sure. They, uh, you know, they think that they've uh, missed some of their targets when it comes to season tickets that they were hoping to achieve. Uh, so we'll just see if people come out. Uh, you know, it's been a bit of a tough situation here over the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see what happens. I know there's still a hardcore, passionate base, but uh, have they expanded it outside of that? Have they lost some ticket holders, and have they replaced them? I guess we're going to find out. But, uh, no, they, they agree it could be a, a little better, and uh, we'll get our first look at exactly what's going on tomorrow night there. How many wins do you think Calgary, if you were to put the over-under at, what would you peg it for Calgary this year? Uh, probably 12, 12 or 13. So okay. twelve and a half. <laughs> so it's going to be a oh, so, so it's going to be there, two yeah. two really good teams then to top the division then Winnipeg and Calgary then. Oh yeah, I, I would agree. The Blue Bombers are very very good. Uh, yes, there's been some losses, but you know they've added some people as well. And this is a team that uh, you know is certainly playing with enormous confidence, and enormous poise, and they've got some of the best players in the league. So uh, again, like I say, until Winnipeg is run down and caught by somebody, they're still uh, the team to beat. And, you know, I think the uh, poll the other day had uh, Zach Kolaris as the top player in the league. And uh, I agree with that the way he plays right now. Well, he's a defending MOP, so you got to give it to him there. And Montreal coming in tomorrow. I know Derek Taylor talked to him earlier in the show. He's high on the Red Blacks because of the kind of volatility in the East Division. Where would you put Montreal as it stands right now in those four teams? Hmm. Well, I, I'm going to go Toronto on top, to tell you the truth. I, I like them. Hamilton and Montreal, I think you're going to fight it out for second and third. I'm nowhere near that excited about the Ottawa Red Blacks, to be blunt about it. Maybe maybe they'll show me difference when they play the Blue Bombers coming up. But uh, I think the uh, 
Hamilton and Montreal are pretty similar. I think the Cats uh, lost a little bit in the offseason, and I think if the Owls pull it together, they can challenge. But right now, I've got Toronto on top. I think they have uh, overall the best balanced lineup. Uh, you know, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is a good quarterback, a game manager, some good receivers, uh, good depth, and uh, I think Toronto's a team to beat. So right in a battle for second and third, Montreal and Hamilton. Hockey question before I let you go. Are people in Calgary thrilled that the Oilers got swept by Colorado? Uh, I think there's some, been some shots taken at it, but I, you know, the fact that the Oilers off, haha, too bad. But I think there's also a recognition. Colorado's right on top of their game. Colorado is rolling. I don't think it would have been any different if the Flames would have been playing them, to be brutally honest with you. I just think Colorado's on such a roll, playing so confidently right now. Uh, I think people are aware that, you know, it was Edmonton. Yeah, they lost in four games. I can't imagine it would have been much different against the Flames. So I, I think that tempered it a little bit that people uh, saw that uh, Colorado Colorado's just just the, on a tear right now. If they can keep it up, we'll see. But uh, right now, they're uh, the team to beat. Absolutely. We'll see how long they have to wait for, though, to play in this Stanley Cup final. Might yeah, be a while. isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, who knows. Could be another, uh, I guess, almost week, couldn't it? Until uh, yeah. they if they go seven games and if Justin Bieber doesn't kick them out of Madison Square yeah. Garden, or I guess he's what's that all about? <laughs> well, Justin crazy. Bieber is. Yeah, he's, he's, for those who don't know, he's scheduled to play MSG Tuesday, June 14th, which is the same night, if necessary, of Lightning Rangers Game 7, which, I mean, <laughs> until a home team loses a game, looks like it's going to happen. So that's another fun storyline as we go ahead. But, uh, Mark, I'll let you go. Appreciate your time coming on the show tonight. Have a great call tomorrow night. Well, thank you. We look forward to our two visits to Winnipeg this year. It should be a lot of fun in the great environment there. And let's get a rolling starting tomorrow night here. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this